This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Man, God is good. Why don't we turn to the book of 1 Timothy? The book of 1 Timothy. And as I was studying through the text this week, you know, the Holy Spirit, I believe, gave energy on a certain phrase and a certain part of the message, which will come become clear to you in a few minutes. But I have to just give a disclaimer here. Uh, if you are getting ready to move, uh, take a new job, or maybe change churches. You know, that should be rare, but it does happen. We benefit from people who change churches and come here, and then others leave and go to other places. But sometimes the Spirit of God will move people. And if the Holy Spirit has already prepared you to move or to do something, then I want you still to enjoy this sermon, but don't let my words unduly trouble you unless the Spirit speaks to you. You'll understand why I said that in a second. Sermons are funny things. I mean, because sometimes, you know, God will be speaking in a sermon and, and we'll have a sermon, wait upon the Lord. And then another sermon will be, go and do something with your life, don't wait. And, and, and sometimes they could feel conflicting and, and they're not necessarily conflicting God's not in conflict, you understand? Is that he has a specific word for us at different times. And as this message unfolds and the text unfolds today, I think the Holy Spirit's going to bring energy to a certain part of it. And I wanted you just, just to have your spirit prepared for that. The title of my message today is Focus. We all need focus, and, and there's different things in life that cause us to get off focus, but certainly... Trouble and adversity will take our focus. Many times when I pray for people for physical healing, one of the things I pray for is, God, would you remove this sickness and pain because it's a distraction, Lord. You know, physical pain can be such a distraction, and so will financial stress, and so does trouble when we have trouble with our children, or we have trouble with our uh, occupation and in and, and the job force. It just distracts us, and it takes us off Focus. And when we are off focus, and we're not focused on what God's called us to do and who God's called us to be, there is a certain part of us that always wants to leave. It always wants to drift. We run away from that which hurts us. We run away from that which causes pain. As creatures, we always drift towards comfort, and we drift towards predictability, and we want to find that place of rest. And as believers, we know that place of rest is in Christ and in Jesus. But we also know that there are seasons and times of trouble. There are seasons and times of challenge. There are seasons and times when we have to face adversity. And as we go to 1 Timothy today, that's exactly the kind of season Timothy was in. And Paul wrote to Timothy... Paul was a mentor to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor in Ephesus. And we, we know that he had a big responsibility for his age, but God had set him apart and had assigned him, and he was undergoing something very difficult, a difficult challenge for his age, and we'll find out because of his temperament. We start in verse 3 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. It says, As I urged you... When I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths or endless genealogies. 
These promote controversy rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. Timothy had some challenges, and if you're taking notes today, on the back of your bulletin there's some space for you to do so. And his first challenge is this. He had to oppose false doctrine. He had to oppose false doctrine. Paul had clearly taught the church of Ephesus and said, this is the way we're going to believe about Christ. This is the way we shall believe. And yet there had infiltrated among them those who were teaching something contrary to what the apostles had established. And here it was, young Timothy, there in Ephesus, it sounded like he had a hornet's nest that had been stirred. And can I tell you, the worst kind of fights are church fights. I mean, if you want to see the influence of the devil, if you're a new Christian, you might not have seen this yet, but if you want to see the influence of the devil, you encounter a Christian who believes this is the way it's supposed to be. And there is no love, there is no understanding, there's no compassion, because bless God, this is the way it is. And theological debates and theological discussions can be some of the ugliest displays of human behavior I've ever seen. It's a sad thing. So when he said, you stay there and you command them not to teach these things, this was a difficult task. Now, if you look at verse 3, that word command, that word command, the original intent of that in the Greek, it's a military word. And that word says you Order them not to teach false doctrines. This assignment that Timothy received wasn't some kind of wimpy suggestion. Hey, guys, can we get together? You might not want to teach this today. If, if you could just, don't mind, just don't emphasize that point. No, Paul said, Timothy, you stay there in Ephesus and you command those people. You use force and authority and tell them, don't teach that any longer. Can I just tell you that doctrine matters to God? It does. Doctrine, how we interpret the Bible and how we view God matters. Do you know why that's important for you to hear that today? Especially those of you who've joined me who are under the age of 40. You know why this is important? Because everyone around us tells us that doctrine doesn't matter. We those of us who are younger in this room, and only have a few more years, I can say that. But the college group knows I love to say that. Our generation, that's not true anymore. But, but seriously, those of us, and, and we throw around the term postmodern world. The postmodern world meaning this is that there is no objective truth. Truth is what you believe. Truth is what you decide. Truth is what works for you. Truth is what your experience is and how it works out in your life. And even though this is a new phenomena in American culture, and especially with those of us who are, are younger and our emerging thought process, this is something that Jesus had to deal with too. Uh, Pilate, when, when they brought Jesus before Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 38, he asked this question. He, he, he said this, What is truth? Pilate asked. 
In that Roman thought process, they appealed to facts. Paul, uh, Pilate said, what is truth? And that's our struggle sometimes. We, we, we say, what is truth? I don't know. What's truth to you? What's truth to you? Let's just all get our own truth. No, there is objective truth. And we know that the truth comes from the word of God. That's one of the reasons I'm so glad that behind me that we have these classrooms and offices. I'm glad we have offices because I'm tired of sitting with David all day long. But but beyond that, we have seven to eight classes, and you can divide them up. And, and there's, just, there's just areas that as we develop a Christian education system, we all need more exposure to the truth. We need more of the Word. We need correct teaching. We need to know what the Scripture says. We need to know what God says, because in our own selves, we will be an island, and we're just going to pick what truth is. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, you stay there in Ephesus, and you commit, you forcefully command people to not teach false doctrine. The other challenge Timothy had is that when he had to confront false doctrine, it wasn't just uh, ideas and concepts he was confronting. He had to oppose certain men. And I wondered why Paul used that phrase. He was basically saying, Timothy, you know who you need to confront. You know who you need to oppose. And have you, have you re- understand that this, whether you're in school or whether uh, you're in a, a job, corporate world, or whatever it is, every organization just has certain men, certain women that you know are just going to be tough to confront. You know, confrontation is an interesting thing. There, there's a few of us in this room that love confrontation, but most of us, we don't like confrontation, and so we're very passive about the way we confront. And, and Timothy was much this way. And, and when, especially in the religious world, when you have people who have these deep-seated beliefs and, and they believe certain things about doctrines or they believe a certain truth, and usually that's inherited truth. And, and when you begin to discuss religion, uh, you, you really touch people's deepest needs. You touch their emotions because, I mean, you're, you're discussing, you're talking about something grandma believed. And her grandma believed. And we're very emotional about those beliefs. And, that, and that's not necessarily bad, but further on in First Timothy, look at chapter 6, because he kind of describes the type of people Timothy had to confront. And this is going to be a bunch of adjectives that these were not easy guys to confront. I mean, when I, read, when I read this text, I was like, oh, man, these were some tough people Timothy had to confront. In chapter 6, verse 3, it says, If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and the godly teaching. Now, here we go. You ready? Here is the list. Verse 4 of chapter 6. He is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction. Can I just tell you, that stresses me out just to read those adjectives. I mean, already, I just don't like any of those words. I mean, I mean look at those again. They just are foul. Um, um, envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicion, 
constant friction. Does that not sound like a lot of churches we all used to be members of at times? Isn't that a sad thing? It's not the will of God. Between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. There's so much there. But the point in this talk is this, is that Timothy not only had to confront false doctrine, he had to confront very strong personalities behind that false doctrine. Here is the third challenge Timothy had, is Timothy was timid. He was fearful. His temperament, the way he was designed, he wasn't a confrontational person. And a lot of times people who are pastors are loving and accepting and and. And we who are pastors, we really want you guys to like us. That's, that's important. So there comes that fine line between being a people pleaser and a God pleaser. And sometimes that gets really, really gray and blurry. Second Timothy chapter 1, we get some insight into T- Timothy's personality when the second letter Paul sent to him, he said this. He said, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. He was speaking directly to Timothy, but a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. In other words, he said, Timothy, and if you read the context of that scripture, he said, remember, you were called. We placed our hand on you and we stirred up a gift of God that God had given you. And now remember that call because God hasn't called you to be fearful and God hasn't called you to be timid that he's given you power, love, and self-discipline. So do you understand the context here? Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And he said, listen, Timothy, you have a challenge. You're timid, you're fearful, but I have a job to do. I have a job for you. In verse 3, he says, stay there in Ephesus. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your life. Because there is no doubt that sometime in this year, and sometime in this era of your life, There's some situation in your life that is difficult. There is some situation that you want to run from. There is some circumstance that makes you want to just go into your bedroom and pull the covers over your head. Because you know that you have a fight ahead of you, but there's not a fight within you. And what do we want to do? We want to run from the fight. We want to run from the controversy. We want to get away from the conflict. We want to get away from anything that's uncomfortable because we long for safety and security. But can I tell you this, is that if God has called you and God has assigned you, just as Paul told uh, told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, he said, stay in Ephesus. Stay put. Can I just tell you that I believe the Spirit of God is telling some of you today, stay put. Don't run from the fight. Don't back down. Don't be fearful. Don't be timid. Don't check out. Don't fall short. You stay right there in the fight. You stay right there where I have called you. So what is it? What in your life, what difficult situation are you facing? What are you challenged by? What is stretching you to a point that you just want to give up because it's so uncomfortable? What situation in your life do you feel disqualified in? Maybe you feel like, maybe Timothy said, this is way over my head. This is not what I signed up with. 
Paul placed me here in Ephesus and he took off. Paul has no idea how difficult these men are. Paul has no idea how convincing their arguments are. Paul has no idea how many people in the church are following this pastor or following this person. How many people like the false doctrine. Paul has no idea. Well, you know what Paul said? Timothy, you stay put. You stay right there in Ephesus and you command those men. You strongly oppose them and say, this is not right. This is what I've called you to do. So what is it in your life? Is it a certain boss you have? David? Is it a certain child you have that's difficult to raise? Maybe you want to check out and quit disciplining them. Is it a certain spouse? No one look around the room, please. But think about that. Can you know that our marriages are a fight? We have to fight for romance and life. We have to fight for our marriages. And sometimes it's easier to check out than to stay engaged. Is it a certain church? No, that's not the case if you're in this room. But there's an area that's stretching you. There's an area that's challenging you. There's an area where your natural man wants to quit. You want to give up. And I just hear the Spirit say, stay put. Stay there in Ephesus. Finish the job. You have been assigned. We have to realize this. If God is sovereign, do you believe He's sovereign? Do you believe God has a plan? If God is, as He promised to do, is working all things for our good, God who is all-powerful, at the same time, it's all loving. He has all power and all love, and he has directed his focus on us. If we really believe he's sovereign and he's in control, then we must also believe that he allows the difficult situations in our life for a reason. He has the power and the ability to change your situation, and in his timing, maybe he will. Maybe he will today. But sometimes... What he wants us to do is to learn perseverance. He wants us to learn resolve. He wants us, can I give you a true, a, a very theological, complicated word? He wants us to have some grit and some determination and to set our will and say, I'm going to stay put because he has called us. Why should you stay put? I'm just going to suggest two things. You have been assigned to God's work, not your own. When he, Paul, told Timothy to stay put. He said there, in, he said in verse 3, Stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversy rather than what? God's work. What are we promoting? God's work. We're promoting what He wants to do. We're promoting His activity. We're promoting His purposes. We're promoting His will and His desires. We are not promoting our self-fulfillment. You understand that? We're not promoting our ministry. How many know that we need to get rid of the term, my ministry, my call, our ministry? It's God's work. We are doing God's work. We, The Spirit of God is moving, and when He calls us, He's inviting us to join what He's already doing. You know, God, He chooses to use us, but if we don't say yes, I believe He will rise up another because He is sovereign, and He will accomplish His purposes. He will cause His purposes to come forth in this earth, 
And if you believe that, we have a job to do. And when God has assigned you something, when He has said, this is your spouse, this is your child, this is your job, that's who's your boss, this is your church, this is your ministry, this is what I want you to do. And when God has chosen that and said, this is for you, then when adversity happens and difficult times happen and we know it's His work, not our work, we'll stay put. We will put our feet in the ground and say, this is where I stand because this is what God has called me to do. This is his plan for me. Here's the second observation is that you know you need to stay put when you are promoting God's work and not your ministry. You're promoting God's work not your ministry. I know those things sound very familiar, but they emphasize the same spirit there, that the working of His Spirit, the working of what He has, the working of what He wants to accomplish, that is what will fulfill us, that is what will make us content, that is what will help us accomplish the God purposes that He has placed within our lives. I just want you to know I want you to know that God has designed your life. He has chosen you for this generation. He's chosen you for this time. He's chosen you for this season. He has assigned a work to you. Don't fall short. Don't be among those. Our natural tendency as as people is to give up quick, to give up easily, to let go too soon. We do those things often. We have a, a sinful tendency to fall short When God says, I've given you the call, and I've given you the assignment, and I want you to go to the end. I want our musicians to come forward. You know that I think that all of us, when we get over our insecurities, and we get over our fears, and we get over uh, the things that cause us to want to shrink back, none of us, none of us just want to be ordinary. Really, none of us just want to just get through life and to just occupy space and occupy time and occupy years, there's a challenge, there's a call. Can I tell you, there's a fight within you. There is something within you. You might have buried that. You might have thought that there is not a fight within me. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to let go, Aaron. And can I tell you that the Lord says you stay put, you do your assignment, and when you stay in your assignment, He is going to empower you from on high. Remember what 2 Timothy 1.7 said. We'll go back there. God's not given you a spirit of timidity. He's not given you a spirit of fear. He's not given you a spirit that says, this is the way things are always going to be. This is 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, but he's given you power and love and self-discipline. That is what you have from God. That he who has called you will also enable you. God has not left you abandoned. He is going to give you the daily bread you need. I think about, I've been reading in in my devotions in Exodus, how every day, that every day the children of Israel would go out and they would gather up the manna. And God said, you just take what you need for today. And I'm going to provide for you today because tomorrow I'm going to be back and I'm going to provide again. Can I tell you that God's going to provide what you need to accomplish what he's called you to do? He is your provision. He's your banner. He is your strength. He has not forgotten you. In fact, he's put you in a place where you're more dependent on him. And that's a beautiful, a beautiful place to be. There's a challenge. Yeah, life's a challenge, but it's a challenge worth conquering. It's a challenge worth being victorious. We're victorious in Christ. 
We're overcomers. We're not people who are victimized. We're not people who are defeated. The one who is within us is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen? Amen? This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.